0: To fantasy football today dynasty i am your host heath cummings and we are here on a friday get used to it that's right we're going two days a week with fft dynasty and to celebrate that fact we've got a special guest kyle yates from pro football network kyle thank you for being here today
1: absolutely thanks so much uh, we were talking before we started recording like it feels like an eternity since you and i have done a podcast <laughs> together and we were like i actually think that was back in 2022 was the last time that we have done anything together and in this industry, that is an absolute eternity. So I am very excited to be here. And, of course, talking Dynasty, which is my true passion, I am all for this.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's, that's a common feeling amongst people who do this as analysts, like that being able to keep a league together for – 10 15 20 years with the same guys it's just so special and kind of serves the original purpose of this game which is keeping friends together my, my my favorite league even though i hate the rules now because it was set up when i was like 20 years old and we did a bad job and now i can't get people to vote for the right rules right. my favorite league though is the guys i'm with from guys i went to high school with like 13 guys that i went to high school with that are all still in the same league I wouldn't talk to half of those guys if it wasn't for the fact we were playing fantasy football together, but it's not about me. I want to, I want to talk about you for a second. Tell the people what you've got going on over at pro football network in terms of fantasy right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. So pfnfantasy.com is where we got all of our fantasy content. We are rolling through individual dynasty profiles. That's our big thing right now that we are rolling through. You got a question about what to do with Kyron Williams in dynasty. We've got an article there for you. So pfnfantasy.com along with rolling through Derek Tate does some phenomenal work with scouting and getting ready for the upcoming draft and what that means for dynasty rookie drafts. So, everything that you need pfnfantasy.com.
0: Today's show is is one that we do every couple of months because I realize We haven't talked about these guys in a while. In fact, if I was putting a title on the show, that's what I would do. Thomas is much better at titles than I am, so he'll come up with something that's much better for the search engine. But, yeah, these are guys we have not talked about in a while. Joe Burrow, Kyron Williams, Chris Godwin, Mark Andrews, much, much more. We're also going to try to answer some of your tweets. So if you send us a question on Twitter – Via the chat or via the chat, we will try to answer that at the end of the show. But first, as always, we start with three questions for our guests. And Kyle, every guest gets this first question. We'll see how original you can be or, you know, if, if we even agree on it. You're starting a new Dynasty League. What is the one rule or setting that is non-negotiable for you in a Dynasty League?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I immediately comes to mind is Superflex. Yep. Uh, that is one of the main things that, you know, it's changed the way that I view fantasy football, since I played in my first Superflex League a few years ago, um, it properly values the quarterback position. So I think that that's one of the big arguments or you know, kind of drawbacks that people have when they play fantasy football is, well, I don't need to value the quarterback position the same way that NFL teams do. Well, in Superflex, you have to. You have to right. place a priority there on the quarterback position. Uh, if I was going to go with like a league setting versus you know a, a format, I would say probably a lottery for the final four picks in your draft to prevent tanking. Um, that's something that we've implemented in a few of my leagues, and that has been sort of a game changer because definitely still like there's you know there's a benefit to quote-unquote tanking um you know to kind of if you're just simply not going to compete i mean in like a super flex league that i'm in dynasty league i lost joe burrow every quarterback that i had this year seemingly got hurt right right and so i'm literally in my starting quarterback spot when he's not even the starter i'm playing mitchell trubisky because that's the only option that i have in my dynasty league i'm like i am not having fun uh and So, like, there's a point where I have to, you know, just kind of tank and I have to by necessity because I can't compete. I don't have the players in a lottery system. You're you're it's weighted, right? You have the if you finish and you finish with the worst record in the league, you have four opportunities to get that number one overall pick. But it completely prevents at least someone from from week one mailing it in and sort of just kind of. We, you know, having someone who's playing you later on in the year, they know that they're going to get an automatic win or something like that. Like it at least balances things out a little bit. So I think a lottery is definitely something that a lot of people should look into.
0: Okay. And so I think we, we've got a complete agreement on the first answer, Superflex, by far the most common answer that I get to that question, regardless of guests. In fact, some people have even told, okay, you can't say super flex. What is it? So I'm glad you gave a second answer. We have complete disagreement on the second answer because I am extremely pro tanking. And that's, only because i I, i'm a sicko i love the process of building up those draft picks and then but some people i agree with you and especially because they hate the idea that they might go two years where they're donating their entry fee um i'm okay with it it's 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 lots and lots of fun so uh second question here who are your top 5 picks in a one quarterback rookie draft as of today. I said one quarterback because it's it's I, yes, we prefer super flex. Caleb Williams is going to be in there, Drake may is going to be in there, Jaden it gets a little bit more interesting if you go for the top 5 non-quarterbacks. So so do you have a top 5 right now?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm I'm just starting to get into um with my role over at PFM Fantasy, I am more of looking at the high high end level uh and not as much in the weed. So right. getting a little bit a little bit later to scouting and getting into the weeds there. So um I would say right now Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver out of Ohio State is my 101. However, I think a lot of people are viewing him as the clear consensus 101 and then a big tier gap to Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver out of LSU. I don't view that as a big tier gap. I put them into the same tier. Malik Neighbors is a special talent. That that athleticism and what right. he brings to the table uh is just it's a game changer. Uh, I think both of these guys are going to be instantly into top 10 of my dynasty wide receiver rankings as soon as they step foot into the NFL. Um, So I would go Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Nabors, and then at wide receiver three, I'm going to go Troy Franklin, wide receiver out of Oregon. Uh, a lot of people like Romo Dunze. I've got him at the 104, the wide receiver out of Washington. But Troy Franklin, the athleticism and what he brings to the table, a mixture for me between Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle uh, as far as roles and what he can bring to the table. So you yeah, obviously have that deep threat with Will Fuller uh, from back in the day and what he could do as that deep threat for Deshaun Watson. And Troy Franklin brings that to the table. But then you have the Jalen Waddle ability where he can take a slant and he can absolutely take it to the house. Franklin brings that to the table as well at 6'3", 187 pounds. Romo Dunze, I really, really like him. I compare him to Keenan Allen. Definitely someone that I think is going to step into the NFL and be a polished receiver, could soak up targets, Instantly, like that's exactly what he could be, Uh that Keenan Allen. I just don't know if he has the true athleticism and speed and explosiveness to be a vertical outside receiver, you know, 55% of the time. I think right. that he's going to be mostly lining up in the slot there. So Romo Dunze. And then at the 105, I think that you get into – a little bit of a tier gap at wide receiver. Uh, you could talk about guys like Xavier Worthy out of Texas or Adonai Mitchell out of Texas or Brian Thomas Jr., the wide receiver out of LSU. But I'm going to put Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia, into that 105 spot. If you don't like the tight end, you know, being in that spot, then I think you look at Caleb Williams and the advantage, the quarterback out of USC, the advantage that he could bring to the quarterback position. So... Top four, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Troy Franklin, Romo Doonsay, then I'll go either Brock Bowers or Caleb Williams there.
0: And for those of you who are listening and have been listening throughout the offseason, it's the same theme that we've been talking about. Kyle did not even consider mentioning a running back. This is a running back class that is not up to par for sure with the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, and Brock Bowers. Now, I am still skeptical that this, because we've had people on that say they don't have a running back in their first round right now. And I understand that. I expect that once we get landing spots, specifically Blake Corum on the Chargers with with Harbaugh, um, we're going to have a couple of running backs get pushed up into that late round one, especially when you're talking about contenders that may really feel like a running back could put them over the top. I wouldn't be surprised if there's two or three running backs that go in first round. But for now, I agree with you. We're looking at four or five wide receivers or four wide receivers and Brock Bowers. Question number three, we'll switch gears here. What veteran are you acting actively looking to buy this offseason?
1: This is interesting because I think that it kind of dovetails off of what you were literally just talking about with Blake Corum and, you know, John, uh, John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, um, being back in the NFL and landing with the chargers. I think that the chargers could be a team that with Greg Roman now as offensive coordinator, go into this free agent market uh, and go hunting for a running back there as well. Could be, both right it could be they go after one of the big running backs and then take blake quorum as well in the third round or whatever that looks like so the the guys that i'm you know kind of looking at here are potentially running backs that could end up in a better spot this okay. offseason and i think we're going to see a massive amount of musical chairs with this uh with this running back free agent class so josh jacobs immediately comes to mind still only 26 years old and i think that people are kind of soured on him, even though he just came off of a really, really impressive year two years ago, kind of because he didn't have a solid end of the year this past year we play with a very recency bias is a very real thing in dynasty. So I think Josh Jacobs, you can get him for a little bit cheaper. Uh, Zach Moss is another one too. I mean, uh, he's an upcoming free agent that I think that is going to command uh, is, ha- is going to have NFL teams interested here this year, based on what he did at the beginning of the season in replacement for Jonathan Taylor. You do not have to trade away a ton to go get Zach Moss right. because people don't know that he's an upcoming free agent. Think that he's just the backup to Jonathan Taylor. think you. Can go get him for a mid second round pick. The one that I will say that I'm very aggressively trying to go after this year, especially if I'm in that late first where we talked about it, there may not be a running back that goes within the first round. If I am desperately in need of a running back I'm a win-now team, which is in that late first, you know, you're picking late first. I'm a win-now team, but I need a a running back. Javante Williams is someone that I am very, very intrigued with going after here this offseason. Guys, Javante Williams is still only 23 years old. Like, this is still someone that is still very, very young. He did not produce here this past year, but we really shouldn't have expected him to. Like, he was coming off of a devastating injury, and the fact that he played as much as he did is encouraging. We see these guys slowly start to ramp up uh, their production and start to get back to what they were a year removed from that injury, year plus removed from that injury. Javante Williams is someone I'm very, very intrigued with. Even if it doesn't happen here in Denver, the potential of what he could be down the line in a new landing spot in just a couple years, I still only 23 years old, and you can easily send away a late first early second round pick to go get Javante Williams.
0: I I love that call on Javante Williams. I do think that it's not that difficult to get him for an early second. Uh, Maybe, maybe even a late first would be worth it. Kyle is going to jump out here and see if we can get that. uh, that, we want to see how, just how good looking Kyle is. And we're not quite getting that full effect here on the YouTube stream. So we'll have him right back. We're going to take a short break and then I want to talk about Javante Williams. And then we're going to get into guys who we have not talked enough about lately. Okay. So we are back. And, and I will say like, it's important to remember with Javante Williams and, and Deandre Swift, another one, except he is a free agent. Um, these guys a year ago were consensus top 10 dynasty running backs or a year and a half ago consensus top five dynasty running back Sean Payton's system. Oh yeah. There, there he is. 1, 180 right? P. Yeah. Looking great. Um, this is an excellent rebound opportunity with both Javante Williams and possibly DeAndre Swift, depending on what happens in free agency. So I absolutely agree with that call. Let's talk about some guys that, that we've not talked about enough, and I want to kind of share where I'm at on them. And I, we'll start with Joe Burrow. A couple years ago, I was probably a little bit lower than consensus on Burrow. He'd kind of creeped into that top three or four dynasty quarterback range. He has um, definitely shown us that kind of upside. He's struggled with injuries more than maybe we would have expected, but I'm not sure how predictive that is because it seems to be a different thing every time. Um, I've got him right now ranked at QB6, but he feels to me like he's closer to QB8 than he is to QB4. A very, very good number one quarterback who's going to be that for the next five years. But I'm not sure that he actually has that QB1 overall upside. How, how do you feel about him, Kyle?
1: I literally think you could copy and paste every single thing that you said. <laughs> and that was going to be what I summarized for Joe Burrow. Yeah, I the the injury history, you know, and the fact that he seemingly is dealing with something every single year is definitely concerning. But yet, like you mentioned, it's not like this is a hamstring issue for him every single year that creeps up at the same time, right? Like it's it's a completely different, like a thumb popping issue like that is so completely fluky like we can't hold that really against him or his calf you know going down in in training camp like that that isn't something that we can really really hold against him we know the talent level we know what he can be when he's got all of his weapons and everything is operating you know the way that it should so i think burrow is He's at QB six for me as well. He's right in that territory, and it's really interesting when once you get past, you know, I've got Josh Allen at QB one in Dynasty, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Then really, once you get to past that top three tier, then it's Jalen Hurts, C.J. Stroud, Joe Burrow, Anthony Richardson, Justin Herbert for me. And I feel like if you want to put Justin Herbert all the way up at QB four in Dynasty. I'm fine with that. Like, right. and you want to put Jalen hurts all the way down at QB eight. I might have a slight disagreement with that, but like the, that's a, that's a tier for me that you can kind of shake any of those guys up and roll the dice and wherever they land is where they land. So-, so.
0: Yeah. So, so you mentioned that the weapons and that was kind of my second question on burrow. Cause T Higgins, we talked about it earlier this week with Joey, Wright. One of the guys who is a free agent. I think most people expect T Higgins is going to be back with the Bengals for one more year. Um, I've got zero expectations beyond that, though. Yep. How much does that matter to you? We've mostly seen Joe Burrow with some of the best weapons in the NFL. If it's if he's going into next year or the year beyond, and it's Jamar Chase locked up for the long term, it's Joe Burrow locked up for the long term, but it's going to be kind of a Patrick Mahomes situation other than that. We're going to have to just kind of put the pieces together. Do you think that impacts Burrow's upside? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so you you mentioned this next year. The Bengals, uh, according to Over the Cap, have $53 million in effective cap space for this year. So the ability to franchise tag T. Higgins for this season is absolutely, I think it's a slam dunk. Like, they're going to do it. I feel very, very confident in that. Um, Past that point, like you mentioned, though, there is some unknown where can you really go into this 2025 and beyond with needing to lock up Jamar Chase? You've got Joe Burrow locked up, but you signed T Higgins to a long-term contract extension. That is a massive amount of money to dump into three players for your entire team. I think Tyler Boyd's gone this next year. So yep. I think that, uh, cause he's a free agent this, se- this off as well. So I think that for at least 2024, T Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, they're going to be reunited. They're going to be that trio. But then you've got some really, really interesting depth options as well with Andre Yoshivas, the wide receiver out of Princeton. He'll be going into his second year. He showed some flashes this past year. And then Charlie Jones as well, who I think is going to be the Tyler Boyd replacement in this offense for 2024. So it's Joe Burrow. And I think that we've seen the he he was one of the best, if not the best quarterback prospects coming out in over the past 10 years, like everyone's like, Oh, Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback prospect coming out since Andrew Luck. I'm like, guys, we've already seen the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck come out. And it was Joe Burrow, the talent levels there. He can elevate his weapons just like Patrick Mahomes does. So, but we've seen him be the most effective when he has these truly dominant wide receivers at his disposal. I think he can elevate Andre Yoshivash. I think he can elevate Charlie Jones, but if they can go into and prioritize that position for 2025, and they go into that 2025 NFL draft, and they draft a wide receiver to pair with Jamar Chase. Reset that you know salary number for that wide receiver too down to a lower. Let T. Higgins walk or trade him away. I really don't have as many concerns with Joe Burrow right. long term. It is now all purely the injury history and actually the reliability. Can you truly rely on Joe Burrow? And I think that the injuries have been more fluky than anything else. And we will eventually see that start to normalize.
0: I want to talk about another quarterback who had some injury concerns coming into this season, Tua Tagovailoa. We all know how bad the concussion situation was in 2022. Did not resurface at all in 2023. I guess the martial arts training worked. He learned how to fall. He no longer hits his head when he falls. That's fantastic. But the production wasn't actually elite. And he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle right now. Tyreek Hill, who said he's not going to play that much longer. Um, I've got Tua at QB12, and part of that's the fact that he's a borderline QB1 who's young enough that he could have a very long future. At the same time, if he doesn't have Tyreek Hill or if the injury issues resurface, which a concussion much more troubling for me than the injury issues Burroughs had, um, how confident are you that Tua is even a starting quarterback in the NFL four or five years from now?
1: Oh man, okay, there's so many layers to this question. Uh I think that how confident am I that he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Very. I think that Tua Tagovailoa will still get if it's not a long-term contract extension with Miami, whatever, he will get a starting role somewhere. Now, the best fit for him though is to stay united with Mike McDaniel over the long term. That means that he's got to get that long-term contract extension from Miami. Will Miami give him the long-term contract extension because of the injury history and the durability concerns? Who knows? So I think that from a dynasty perspective, as soon as we have clarity on that, that will greatly dictate where Tua lands within my dynasty rankings. You said you got him at QB 12. I've got him at QB 14. Then that's just behind Kyler Murray and Jordan Love. So I would rather have Jordan Love than Tua Tagovailoa in dynasty over the long haul. Imagine saying that several years ago, I would have just been absolutely laughed off the face of the planet, but what we saw from Jordan Love here this past year was pretty special. So yeah, Tua, I think the over the long term, I think that he will be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but for him to be... A top five, top eight fantasy football quarterback because he brings very little, if nothing, to the Russian conversation. He's got to have the elite weapons. He's got to be in this offense that caters to his strengths because we've seen when he's in an offense that doesn't cater to his strengths, he's not anywhere near the fantasy starting quarterback radar.
0: Well, and I, I think it's not just the angle of does Tua get the long term deal. But the Dolphins probably have to make some progress in the next year or two, or he could be on the Dolphins and not tied to McDaniel. So there's multiple ways that this could go wrong. It does seem like the combination of his head coach, Tyreek Hill as a wide receiver one, Jalen Waddell as a wide receiver two, it's probably not getting any better than that. And there's lots of risk of it getting worse. And this kind of goes back to the super flex point. Uh, in a one-quarterback league, I'm I'm not super confident that two is going to be fantasy-relevant in four or five years. In a super flex, league, he's, you're right. He's probably going to be a starter in the NFL, which is going to make him fantasy-relevant in that format. Let's shift gears over to running backs. And you want to talk about a guy you've got reason to worry about longevity. Well, first off, he's a running back. You have reason to worry about longevity with all of them. Kyron Williams just became a fantasy stud this year, completely out of nowhere. I I know there are people who were uh, Kyron Williams truthers, and I would give them credit, but he wasn't the week one starter. Cam Akers had 20-plus carries in week one. He gets cut, and all of a sudden, they're giving the ball 25 times a game to Williams. Now, this is exactly the type of guy that seasoned dynasty experts or managers will tell you, you need to take the profit. If you've got a day three running back, a UDFA running back, they'll say, look at James Robinson and what happened to him, right? right? Look at Damian Pierce and what happened to him. You, you, need to, you need to take this profit, go sell him for what you – now, the only thing I would push back on that, and we've talked about this a little bit over the past couple of weeks, a lot of times those guys who have such low cost and get replaced, it's because of a regime change, um, Robinson got the new head coach. Pierce got the new head coach. Yeah. Uh, even, even Michael Carter got the new head coach. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, similar situation, same regime. He kept his job. So as long as Sean McVay is there, do you feel good about Williams? He's crept all the way up to my RB nine. And that feels even uncomfortably high for me, but he's a consensus top 12 running back. So I'm not that far ahead of consensus.
1: I've got him at RB7. There you go. So I'm a little bit more aggressive. Now, you mentioned one of the, you know, there were analysts that absolutely loved Kyron Williams coming out. I was 100% in that camp. I had, there's a tweet that people love to bring back up from mine, which is purely my film grades. It's ignoring context, but, and I have since learned to not just release my pure film grades because of this tweet, but from a pure film perspective, I liked Kyron Williams more than Brees Hall coming out in that NFL draft class. Like purely what, Kyron Williams brought to the table as a pass protector dramatically boosted his his stock. Now he falls to the fifth round of that NFL draft and I was very, very quiet all of last year because I was like, this is just not happening. Even though I'm a big believer in the talent, I knew that he could produce. I did not see this coming like I did not see Kyron Williams producing in this manner. I thought that he was going to be a good third down running back that could contribute uh, slightly on first and second down because he still is an undersized back. That's the other big part of this is he's still a sub 200 pound running back. But that hasn't stopped him from being dramatically productive here, uh, especially this past year, two weeks before the season kicked off in Scott Fishbowl had an open spot. I think I dropped Richie James to go pick up Kyron Williams because I was just like, I'm just, you know, I like Kyron Williams. There's a path with Cam Akers, which again, we talked about like feels like an eternity ago. It feels like an eternity ago that Cam Akers and Kyron Williams were sharing the same backfield. Um, but we saw what Kyron can do. So the talent level is there. The, regime consistency is such a great point Heath because and that's something that I've overlooked which is fantastic to bring that to the table because yes that is a massive key part of a running back that has this day three draft capital continuing to hold on to that job Isaiah Pacheco is a perfect example I think that Kyron Williams can hang on to the job now will they add competition to this backfield this offseason yes almost certainly however does that look like going after Josh Jacobs in free agency no I don't believe that so Kyron I am very bullish on, but yet at the same time, like, yeah, there's a path to be able to try and capitalize on this because you spent a fourth round rookie draft pick on Kyron Williams and you held on to him all last year, or you picked him up off of waivers in your dynasty league and you got the running back two on a points per game basis this past year. But at the same time, have you looked at dynasty running back rankings recently? It gets pretty gross once you get past the top five, really. So it's like, who are you going to sell Kyron Williams for? Unless it is you're stacked at running back, you have Kyron Williams as your RB3 or RB4, and you want to go after one of the top name wide receivers. That I'm okay with. But otherwise, like, who are you selling him for?
0: Yeah, and I I think it's important to note, like, even if we feel relatively confident about his floor, his dynasty floor, Relative to running backs, um, I, I've written a lot about this. Holding running backs this time of year is terrifying, and so he still has he still has a lot of risk because of the position that he plays, because of the draft capital. But I would agree with you. Like that's why he's a top twelve running back is because there's not twelve running backs who you feel better about um and and i think he deserves it he he earned it and i would expect that he's going to keep that role for as long as he can stay healthy and mcveigh stays there let's take one more short break and i want to change gears get over to a wide receiver okay kyle so we just talked about your top five picks um in a one quarterback league your top five non-qbs in this rookie class undoubtedly Jackson Smith and Jigbo would have been on that list last year. For most people, he may have been at the top of that list. The rookie year didn't go exceptionally well. He didn't have a game with eight targets. He didn't have a game with 70 yards. There's plenty of excuses to make for him. He's playing alongside DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. We've seen first round rookie wide receivers not be elite in their first year and still turn into very good wide receivers. But it was basically one year of production in college. Um, we get, I think, week one, week two, week three. Tyler Lockett's still on the roster. JSN's still seeing a 15% target share. There's a real risk that his value could plummet faster than you would think for a guy that had his pedigree. I've got him right now at wide receiver 20, which is a downgrade from where I had him at the beginning of last season. Yep. How are you feeling about him? And is it just uh, if you if you have him rostered, you're hoping Tyler Lockett gets cut?
1: Yeah, I think that we can probably set a auto reminder for both of us. Like Dynasty Bilo right about Jackson Smith and Jigba in week three of 2024, right? Like I think that we could already set that. Because yes, I think that if Tyler Lockett, that's the big that's the big hinge point for Jackson Smith and Jigba, is if Tyler Lockett is on this roster going into week one of this next season. If he is, then it's very, very difficult to see a path where Jackson Smith and Jigba returns value or how he doesn't lose value, excuse me, on, you know, going into this next year. So I've got JSN at wide receiver 24 in dynasty rankings. I think that he is someone that you're hoping in 2025, at least that that Tyler Lockett locket is, you know, officially moved on from, and it's DK and it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. But then you also have like Geno Smith regressed in a big way this past year. And I think that all of us kind of looked at Geno the prior year and we're like, okay, that's great. That's a fantastic storyline. I don't know if I can see that continuing and being the case, right? That standard moving forward. Right. So he regressed a little bit. And can he support three fantasy wide receivers no. along with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet out of the backfield? Like I just don't see that happening. So JSN. Yeah. I think that 2025 is when we have to probably wait and fantasy managers, dynasty managers are not patient people as a whole. So if you can go out and you can acquire Jackson's Smith and Jaba this next season, then I think that that's worth doing. But if you've got him right now, you've got to be playing the long game because, or waiting and hoping that Tyler Lockett is playing somewhere else in 2024.
0: I don't know if you have your rankings right in front of you, but mm-hmm. just well, if, if not, let's just go gut feel. I'm, I'm going to run through some names from his own draft class. And I want to know how, how you feel about JSN. So JSN versus Puka. Oh, that's Puka. I've got Puka at wide receiver eight. In that right. I, I'm I'm just making sure JSN yeah. versus tank.
1: Uh, that one, I would probably still go JSN. I've got them very close within the same tier though. JSN versus Addison. I would go, I've got, I've got Jackson Smith and Jigba at 24, Jordan Addison at 25, Tank Dell at
0: 26. JSN versus Rishi Rice. I've got Rishi Rice at 22, so a little bit higher. Okay. So yeah, so he's, he's basically your, uh, Zay Flowers, the last one
1: uh, Zay, I've got it. 23 literally. This is not intentional in any way, shape or <laughs> form. I didn't realize this until you pointed it out, but literally 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 are all from that same draft class.
0: So he'd be your wide receiver four in the class right now. Yes. Um, which again, we've, so we've both downgraded him just a little bit and everybody's going to downgrade him a lot. If we get a month into the season and his profile looks like it did last season. And you're right. It probably would be a good time to buy low as long as you can buy low enough. Let's get a little bit older at wide receiver here. Chris Godwin. He's my wide receiver 27. He's a guy who has shown us top 12 upside in the past. Very uncertain situation right now in Tampa. Um, Mike Evans, that sounds like Tampa had a deadline earlier this week. If they were going to resign him, that deadline has passed. They've now accumulated some dead cap charges. I thought Up until this week, Mike Evans is going to stay in Tampa. There's no way they're letting him go. Now I'm leaning more towards it's 60-40 that he's going somewhere else. Baker Mayfield, not yet re-signed. They don't currently have a quarterback on that roster. let's, Let's assume for a moment that Evans is gone and Mayfield's the starter or they've got someone of Mayfield's quality, but Godwin's the clear number one. Do you still believe this is a guy with top 12 upside on a year to year basis and as a guy who's going to be 28 years old where does that mean we should rank him in dynasty
1: okay so do i think that he has top 12 upside based purely on his talent yes i think that chris godwin is an incredibly talented wide receiver i've had chris godwin very high in dynasty rankings since he came out of penn state absolutely loved his tape at that point and was really believing in him after his rookie season and didn't really do a whole lot but then year two he took that jump from a talent perspective yes situation surrounding him I think that those days are, are gone now, right? I think that the Tom Brady days of them airing it out 730 times per season, uh, and that leading to Chris Godwin being a very, very safe and reliable fantasy option with additional built-in upside, I think that those days might be behind him. So yeah, there's a ton going on here. I think Mike Evans, I think they're gonna let him hit the free agent market and sort of test what the market is for him, what other teams are offering him, and see if they can bring him back. But you got a lot of other Pending free agents here in Tampa Bay, that you've got to figure out what to do with, primarily Baker Mayfield, right? So if Baker isn't back, then are you looking at Kyle Trask as your starting quarterback that is going to be feeding Chris Godwin targets this next year? If so, I'm not in on that. I will have Chris Godwin, I'll drop him like a rock in dynasty rankings. So yeah, I think that the days of him being this top 12 contributor and someone that I'm very, very excited to roster going into each season, I think that those days might be behind us.
0: There there are a couple of other options if Baker goes somewhere else. We don't know where Kirk Cousins is going to be playing, and we expect Russell Wilson's going to be available. So it's it, there, there's a couple of, I guess, parachutes that could save Gobin. But I think the the important thing to recognize is that as you, get, you turn into a 28- or 29-year-old wide receiver, we get to the point to where that that next year projection matters a lot more. It gets yes. closer to a running back situation where it's hard to be ranked a lot higher in dynasty than you are in redraft. And unless Godwin's situation improves, it's going to be hard to rank him as a top 24 wide receiver in redraft. We've got one more player here that we've not talked enough about. And it's another guy from the 2023 rookie class, Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta stole all the headlines, I guess. And we talked plenty about Trey McBride and Travis Kelsey, Kincaid is my tight end for right now really turned things on when Dawson Knox wasn't around which I'm not sure if that's a great testimony for Dalton Kincaid, other than the fact that he was a rookie tight end. Um, we're expecting Gabe Davis to move on in Buffalo. I'm expecting a few changes, but they went a little bit more run heavy in the second half of the year. And with the offensive coordinator sticking around, wouldn't be surprised if that's the case again in 2024. How situation dependent do you think Kincaid is, or do you think he doesn't, that situation doesn't matter that much to me? He's just that good.
1: Yeah, we're in lockstep there with Dalton Kincaid at tight end four. Um, but I think that outside of, I mean, outside of Sam Laporta in dynasty rankings right now, I would argue pretty much every tight end is situation dependent, right? Like it's just right. the nature of the position. So with Dalton Kincaid, I do expect Gabe Davis to move on. One of the like sleeper I'm sleep, My sleeper calls for this off season is Darnell Mooney to land in Buffalo as that Gabe Davis replacement. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but uh, I don't think that they're going to go big name hunting for that wide receiver two role. You have, do have questions with Stefan Diggs, of course, though, like what, what happened the past, you know, the, the latter half of last season? Um, so I think Dalton Kincaid could easily ascend to the number two, if not number one, option in this offense, and we want receiving weapons that are connected to Josh Allen. So in a in a prolific offense, one that can absolutely cook when it's when it's up and running, uh, and we saw that over the latter half of the season with them becoming a little bit more balanced and not. Telling the defense, hey, we're going to throw the ball pretty much every single play. Uh, We're going to mix in and keep you on your toes a little bit. So Dalton Kincaid, I think, has the talent. The talent level is not in question for me. He reels in pretty much everything thrown his way. But the one thing standing in his way is that Dawson Knox is under contract on this team. And could they roll with some more two tight end sets next year? Potentially, but... I don't know if that necessarily instantly equates to Dalton Kincaid seeing the majority of the targets when both of them are on the field. So that's the thing that's kind of standing in his way. The talent level is there, but right now you got to kind of just hold on and just see what eventually becomes of him. But this is still a rookie tight end going into his second year the Talent right. levels there. We could absolutely see him explode here down the line. You just got to have a couple things play out in his favor.
0: How unrealistic is it? I mean, he was the tight end one before the season. Sam Laporta had a great rookie year, but that doesn't mean that every year of their career is going to go the same way. How how realistic or possible is it that you see that Dalton Kincaid actually passes Sam Laporta at some point and becomes the tight end one from his own class again?
1: Yeah, I think it's very, very possible. Again, uh, we... I mean, look back at your dynasty tight end rankings from this time last year, right? It is just a completely different landscape. Trey McBride is my tight end two in dynasty. Guess what? Trey McBride was nowhere near my top 10 in dynasty rankings at this time last year, uh, even though the talent level was absolutely there. So we're seeing so much turnover, a lot of injuries are paving the way for some, you know, a lot of movement in dynasty rankings. So yeah, I think Dalton Kincaid, the potential that he ascends back into that tight end one role in this class, out of his class, excuse me, uh, is absolutely there because laporta is he going to repeat what he did here this past year is detroit going to go into next year completely with you know the same receiving skill or receiving weapons that they had or are they going to upgrade over you know Josh reynolds or does jamison williams take a step forward in this offense does that lead to sam
0: laporta seeing a couple targets less per game yeah there's a path for it (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, great, great job there. We've got a a few minutes left here and we do have some tweets that came in. Also, if you've got some questions in the chat, now would be a good time to put those in there. We'll see if we can get Kyle to answer a few of those as well. So we got one on Twitter here, 12 team superflex. At the moment, he does not have a single starting quarterback on his roster. I think we can safely assume that he was tanking. Um, Would you trade one oh one for Justin Herbert or just take Caleb with the one oh one?
1: Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, I think that, so in a vacuum, if it's just Herbert, if it's Caleb Williams, I would probably go Caleb Williams just because of resetting that age age right. clock, even though we know what Justin Herbert is, or at least we think we do. <laughs> right. Uh, the fact that you got Greg Roman coming in as OC kind of concerns me a little bit for yeah. what Justin Herbert can do from a fantasy perspective. So I would probably look to go with Caleb Williams in a vacuum. However, taking the greater context, you said that you are... You have no quarterbacks on your roster and you're in a super flex league. I would potentially be looking to trade down from that 101 spot, move down a couple spots. So you're still in a range where you can get Drake May or Jaden Daniels, but then get another quarterback in that deal, right? Sell that 101 for a premium and get yourself multiple quarterbacks because. If you do not, I say this all the time. If you do not have quarterbacks in a superflex league, you are not competing whatsoever. So unless you're right. willing to take a very, very long rebuild approach, um, and you're going to have the 101 in the 2025 rookie class, then then you can pair that rookie with Caleb Williams. Otherwise, I'd be looking to potentially trade down, still get yourself a really, really good quarterback, but also get another quarterback, a Kirk Cousins, a Tua Tagovailoa, you know, one of those quarterbacks in that deal to be your quarterback too.
0: And and for reference, he did give a little more context. It does seem like he's maybe built for a two-year re- rebuild. He yeah. has he also has 112, 201, 210. He has a pair of 2025 firsts and a pair of 2025 seconds. So yeah, it, I think it like in a vacuum, it's more likely that in my rankings, I will have Justin Herbert ranked ahead of Caleb Williams mm-hmm. when we get to May but that's going to be really heavily influenced by the fact that at least a third of the teams in your league ought to be true contenders. And those teams should really, in my opinion, greatly favor Herbert over Caleb Williams but for someone who is in the middle of a rebuild or at the beginning of a rebuild 100% agree with you I would rather have Caleb Williams on my roster we've got a question here from Lance and Lance wasn't here for the start of the show obviously that's okay Lance you should still go listen to the entire podcast because Kyle said some awesome stuff but who is your 105 and a 1QB league he thinks there's a steep drop-off after Harrison, Neighbors, Bowers, and Rome.
1: Yeah, we talked about this earlier, and that's missing. The four players that you mentioned there are within my top five, however you're missing one, which is Troy Franklin, the wide receiver out of Oregon. Um, and that could potentially change the more that I get into studying this rookie class. I'm a little bit behind uh, the eight ball as far as studying these guys. You could see an Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, you know, uh, Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. Right. You could see one of those guys climb into that. But Troy Franklin, I'm very, very bullish on. Uh, I, I compared him at the beginning of the show cross between will fuller and jalen waddle as far as the speed that he brings to the table and the role that he could occupy in an nfl offense i really like troy franklin
0: and, and just to expand on that, I think if we've got five that we feel pretty good about in a one quarterback league, as of right now, I feel pretty good about Caleb Williams, Drake May and Jaden Daniels. So if you're in a super flex league and you've got that ninth or 10th or 11th pick, I'd probably yeah. be willing to say or trying to see like, how much does it cost me to go from there to six or seven or eight? Because it does. And and seasoned players are going to know what you're trying to do but not everybody in your league does um if you can get into the top eight in a super flex league that that seems like a good idea to me and i wouldn't if you're if you want to trade down i'd probably aim for six or seven or eight to make sure you still get a player we think is going to be a lead we've got to grade the trade from daniel here on twitter it is super flex it is full ppr he traded 112 and 202 for Ken Walker and Evan Ingram. Still has a couple of firsts, a couple of seconds. He thinks he's going to be competitive this year. So 112 and 202 for Ken Walker and Evan Ingram.
1: Yeah, he said that he's got a couple other firsts and seconds as well. So that I think keeps him in the conversation for those wide receivers. But it goes back to the conversation that we were having earlier of that late first round pick. There's no real running backs outside of a landing spot conversation that you could make the case for being within the top twelve of the, you know, of the this rookie class. So do you take that late first and do you go get yourself a top 10 dynasty running back? And Ken Walker is within that range for me. Ken Walker is sitting at running back 10 in Dynasty. Now, do I think that he's going to be immediately like a top – eight producer in 2024 no but the talent level is there and if we do see an injury to zach charbonnet or this new coaching staff ryan grubb coming in as the offensive coordinator doesn't want to utilize multiple running backs he doesn't want to utilize both ken walker and zach charbonnet he just loves ken walker then we could easily see walker produce in a big way and i'm holding out hope for you know him hitting free agency or that situation changing down the line so evan ingram is absolutely like i mean It was shocking to see how many receptions Evan Ingram brought in because I did not realize that it's over 100. I can't remember the exact number, but like it was absurd to look back on the season and be like, oh, Evan Ingram was that involved in this offense. I did not even realize that. Like it didn't seem like that. So, yeah, if you're in this win now, you get yourself, you take a unknown in that late first, early second round and you turn that into some proven commodities. I'm all for that
0: we got another question here. You say you love the show. You're getting your question read today. That's the way these things work. I am in a 12-team dynasty league that is switching to superflex. And, and this is fascinating to me because this is one of the things we've talked about on the show. It's it's so important to get these types of settings and rules right because in a true dynasty league, it's really hard to switch from one quarterback to superflex. But I think they're doing it in a good way. They're only allowing just for this one year. Everybody can keep one quarterback everybody else goes back into the pool. So then you take away the advantage of this guy, he probably doesn't like the rule, who has Hertz and Stroud, and now they're moving to Superflex. So you're making that move to Superflex. He can only keep one of those two guys for this year only, and then he's going to have to find his second quarterback. Would you rather keep Hertz or Stroud?
1: Oh, man, this is tough, because I've literally got them back-to-back in Dynasty rankings. I've got Hertz at four, and I've got Stroud at five. I think the concern for Hertz is with the regression that we saw here from him this past year, or I would say, I would argue return to the mean not necessarily like a a true regression i think that this is more of who jalen hurts is as a quarterback um i was not the biggest jalen hurts fan coming out as a passer um and i think that his the majority of his fantasy production comes through his rushing ability and particularly the brotherly shove or the tush push or however you want to phrase it right um getting down to the one yard line and are we going to see 15 plus rushing touchdowns from jalen hurts again in 2024 probably not i think that there's going to be some regression to the mean there CJ Stroud seems to be on his way up They're back to back. That is an absolute coin flip for me. And I think just by gut, I might go with CJ Stroud there. And that means that I need to change my dynasty rankings right now. Uh,
0: So I I will uh, take the cop out here. I'm I'm always happy to do that. I will say, take a look at your roster. If you think you're one of the best four teams in the league, then I'm keeping Jalen Hurts. If you don't think you're one of the best four teams in the league, then I'm keeping C.J. Stroud. I still expect J- Jalen Hurts to produce three or four more fantasy points per game next year than C.J. Stroud does. So if I'm a true contender, I want those points. Flags fly forever. We'll figure the rest out later. But it, I, I would I would agree with you, Kyle. I think the long term outlook for Stroud looks better. Yeah. Now I'm not. I I don't know how much of last year's Eagles air quote struggles because we have to remember Pertz was still awesome in terms of fantasy production right. and the Eagles were still a very good football team to put on the dysfunction that seemed to be their coaching staff it seemed like they had this happens to teams all the time they lose coordinators they've got to replace them sometimes you don't make the right picks seemed like last year the Eagles didn't make the right pick so it will be interesting I do think he's probably going to regress from those 15 rushing touchdowns I think Josh Allen probably is as well so it will be interesting to see how those guys level out next year but both still one and two in terms of dynasty quarterback rankings the other last factor and we didn't ask about this is how many, many points passing touchdowns are worth in your league yeah. uh, in a standard cbs league those are six points in a lot of other leagues those are four points in a four point i would lean, lead even stronger towards jalen hurts because i think cj stroud's going to throw more touchdown passes than hurts in a six point it's it's just about a coin flip should probably be determined by your record Kyle, thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed talking to you. You brought great stuff. Tell everybody once again where they can find you and your content.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Over on X, I'll get into the habit of saying X eventually uh, (laughs) at some point, but over on X at Kyle Y NFL, and then all of the team's work can be found over at pfnfantasy.com. I will say really quick, Joey Wright is in the chat. He said, "Uh, love the show, the progression of Kyle's background jerseys of 17. Oops, 17. 18 who's 19 right over here i've got a Kadarius tony uh chiefs jersey no you don't i'm
0: just just kidding (laughs) (laughs) you know i really thought you were really gonna pump yourself up there because the other thing joey said in the chat was that we had a major guest upgrade over tuesday when joey was the guest and joey that's not true we love you every bit as much and, and we love the listeners thank you guys for being a part of this allowing us to get to two shows per week we will talk to you next tuesday